is up, Huma Lake. I love this place. I'm so glad you're here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something real quick because I wanna get to know you a little bit. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna kind of hear your story, but through like rapid fire questions. So I'm gonna ask you some rapid fire questions. You're gonna shoot your hand up if it, if it, if it uh, is something that is true of you. You're gonna keep your hand down if it's something that's not true of you. Ready? Sixth graders, where you at? Okay, put them down. Seventh graders, where you at? Good. Put them down. Eighth graders, where you at? Okay, good, good. Okay, uh, uh, how many of you have siblings? How many of you like your siblings? Okay, that's funny. Uh, how many of you are only child, children? Okay, how many of you think you drove the furthest today to get up to camp? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, all right. Uh, how many of you have blonde hair? How many of you have brown hair? Blue eyes? Red hair? Green eyes? Okay, what we did is we just established a bunch of truths. So when somebody tells you that truth is relative, you can point back to that moment and you can remind them that, that truth is not something that is subjective, meaning it, it's, it's something that you get to make up based on how you feel. It's something that, that's real. I want to introduce you uh, to people who are I got to know you a little bit, so I want to introduce you to some people who are really important to me. This is my family. Um, I have four daughters. My beautiful wife is standing next to me. Her name is Kristen. We've been married 14 years. My oldest is in seventh grade, and that is crazy to me. My youngest, Ashton, she is four years old. And then the two middle, they are just over a year apart. One is uh, seven, and one is now just turned nine. And so... Uh, I'm blessed to be their dad and her husband, and so I wanted to introduce you a, a little bit to the people who have my heart, since you were so great about introducing yourself to me. And I look forward to getting to know you kids all throughout the week. We're going to be here all week walking through uh, this Gospel of John together. And I know for me, I've been coming up to Hume Lake since, honestly, for almost 20 years. I started as a middle school counselor and moved up to high school and then became a youth pastor and brought my students up here. And I know one thing is true, that the same God that is down the mountain is the same God that's up the mountain. But the, the thing that's really cool about Hume Lake is it's a place where you can come and get rid of all the distractions that happen back home, all the, all the things that, that have your attention, and you can just focus on God. And so what I want to encourage you is this week, as you hear from, from the stage, as we walk through God's word, as, as we uh, hear from the thing, wasn't, wasn't the opener amazing? Yeah, give it, up for the, give it up for the staff. By the way, I couldn't, I couldn't help but shake the feeling that Buddy belonged in some high school musical or something. He just had Zac Efron vibes. So uh, anyway, you'll see it next time he's out here. But uh, I believe that if you lean in to what God wants to do in your life this week, if you take this week seriously and you start asking the question, what is true? I know that God is going to work in your lives up here. And so I, I'm going to put in the work, and, and my hope is that you're going to put in the work as well. How many of you guys brought Bibles up here? Okay. Bring them with you. We're going to use them. We're going to walk through them. We're going to spend a lot of time in the gospel of John. We're going to be walking through that gospel this week. And in John 18, which Biscuit read, there's an interaction between Jesus and this guy named Pilate. Pilate was a governor in the Roman 
government. It's not, that's not that important to the story, but uh, this is how that interaction went. It says, therefore, Pilate, the, the governor, said to him, so, so you are king. And Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Jesus, he's talking about truth, and he, he, goes, he, he goes over and over and over again about how he is here to testify to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth hears his voice. And we're going to ask the question this week, just like the, the dog did, what if, what if Theo, what if the things that Theo was saying were actually true? Pilate looks at him, verse 38, and he says, what is truth? That's the very same question that we're going to be asking over the next four days. We're, we're going to be asking, what is truth? We're going to explore the concept of truth in general. Can, truth can be an interesting concept, especially in our world. You've probably heard things, even in your schools, about my truth and his truth and, and is there truth? When I was uh, about your age, so I was probably in junior high, and, and I, started, I started questioning. I kind of grew up, I always just believed in God. You know, kids mostly believe in God. They just, they kind of grow up kind of knowing that there's a God. I think it's something innate inside of us. It's something we're born with. And I remember around junior high, I started questioning, does God really exist? Does, is, is God true? And, and I remember, because my, my prayers would go something like this. Maybe you can relate. I would kneel by the side of my bed because I thought that's how you had to pray. I would close my eyes, and, and I, would, I would pray, God, if you're true. And, and I would just ask him. I would say, God, if you're true, show me that you're true. And it usually involves some girl that I liked, right? Because junior, hires, junior high boys like girls, and junior high girls like boys. They just don't want anybody to know it. And so I, I was totally, I, I had these crushes, and I would say, God, if, if, if you're true, help so-and-so to like me. God, I was in seventh grade. I'm like, God, if you're true, let me marry this girl. <laughs> seventh grade. It's crazy. I was like, I, I was just asking God, God, if you're true, do what I wanted. And you know what that does? That turns God into Will Smith from Aladdin. Like God becomes the genie. He, he becomes this genie where, where if, if I want him to show himself to me, then all I have to do is, is rub the magic lamp and, and he comes out and he does whatever I want and then I get to see that he's true. And then I started to ask a question when I got older. And we're going to ask that question all week. What if there's a better way? Like, what if there's a better way for us to know that God is true? What if, there's, what if he designed a way that we can know that God is real? And he did. See, God, God saw, I mean, he's God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. He saw that we, all these years later, would be sitting at Hume Lake asking the question, is God truth? And so he made a better way. 
And he reveals himself in three different ways. And we're going to walk through this whole week looking at these three ways that God reveals himself. He reveals himself in his creation. You guys, we are up at Hume Lake in one of the most beautiful spots in all of California. This, I used to describe this. This is my Disneyland. Like, this is my happiest place on earth. I feel so blessed to be here with you guys this week. You're going to walk outside at night, and you're going to look up at the sky, and you're going to see something you haven't seen in a long time, stars. Because you can go outside, and you can see the vast universe that God created. You're going to stand at the lake, and you're going to look out over that incredible view that looks like it's been painted, the view of the, the mountains. And if you're here in the winter, those mountains have snow on them. Right now, they're just mountains, but they've got these incredible trees. And you're going you're gonna to see the birds flying into the, the water. And you're going you're gonna to see all of this, the ducks that, that my kids get so captivated looking at. See, God, God didn't spare any part of his creative ability when he made everything. Because he wanted us to look at creation and see his majesty. But he didn't just stop there. He knew we were going to need to know specifics about him. He knew that we were going to need to know more than just, does God exist? And so he gave us his word. He gave us the very word of God. You're holding it, many of you are holding it in your hands the word of God that's authoritative, the word of God that's true and real, the word of God that shows the truth about who God is, what his will is for us, and how he came to save us. He's revealed himself in his word, but there's still one more way. He also revealed himself in his son, Sending his son, his holy son, fully God and fully man, the incarnation of God so that we, uh, we would hear his words and we would see his life and that we would be able to see the Father through the Son. It's a beautiful thing that God has revealed himself so many ways to us, especially in a culture, you guys, we live in a culture that, that truth is truly under attack. It's under attack. There's, there are so many people out there who, who don't believe anymore that there's absolute truth. And I take them outside and I say, look up at the sky. What color do you think that sky is? And it's blue. And I say, how do you know? Because it's truth. But truth is under attack. It, the problem is, is that the idea of absolute truth in our culture is, is not, doesn't exist anymore. It started back in, in 1960s. There's a guy named Jacques Derrida. It's not, it's not important what his name is, but he started to build this concept of, of subjective or relative truth, meaning every single person gets to make up their own definition of what truth is. See, he said that because humans have the ability to think, that truth is, is too big to be defined once and for all for all of humanity, that because humans can think that they, they get to, to create their own construct in their minds, they get to create their own truth in their minds, and that truth is no longer 
based on divine revelation. It's no longer based on the revelation of God through his creation and through his word and through his son. Therefore, anyone who wants to understand truth can no longer, according to him, look for it in ancient texts, much like you're holding in your hand. But despite what our culture says about truth, Pontius Pilate still asks the question of Jesus, what is truth? Because Jesus claims that that in him we are going to find that truth. And Pontius Pilate asks, what is that truth? And I know all of you in this room, you come from, from different places, different backgrounds, different different childhoods, from different homes with different parents. And some of you are in Christian schools and you're in Christian schools for different reasons. Some of you are in, in, in homeschool and you're in homeschools for different reasons. And my hope is that, that as you're here, that as God opens your heart to truth, that you'll walk that journey with me. That you might question whether or not all of culture might just be wrong. Because absolute truth, when it comes to God, it absolutely exists. In John 14, 6, Jesus, we're going to get to it in in a little bit, but Jesus, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Now, here's the problem with that statement. If there's no absolute truth, how can he be the truth? How can he be the way? How can he be the life? And the problem is that's an exclusive statement, which means there, there are no other religions that work underneath that, that guideline. Therefore, if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, then, then what happens is Islam is wrong. Buddhism is wrong. Mormonism is wrong. All of these other religions that claim another way are wrong. And so Jesus himself says, no, no, no. I'm the truth. And so my hope is we can explore this together. And while we do, let's talk about the book of John. Open up to the book of John for me. We're going to start at the very beginning. John is the fourth gospel. You have uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They're known as the synoptic gospels. That's just a fancy way of saying they're similar. So those uh, gospels all seem to use the same source material and point to the same uh, things, similar things as the other synoptic gospels. But John's different. John was written for a different purpose. He was written from a different perspective. See, John was the disciple that Jesus said, this is the one whom Jesus loved. John claims that for himself, the one whom Jesus loves. He's a part of the inner circle of Jesus. Like, if Jesus had the 12 disciples, he also had his best buddies. Are any of you here with your best buds? Yeah? Cool. That's, that's the way it was for Jesus. He had this inner circle of best buds. He loved everyone, but he trusted them a little bit more. The Gospel of John was written 30 years after the Synoptics. 30 years after, and John had, had been exiled on this, this island all by himself. It was kind of like prison on this island. And then he gets, he gets released after he's nearly killed. And then he writes his Gospel. And the theme of the Gospel of John is believe. 
He writes his gospel because he wants his readers to understand the truth. He wants his readers to understand what the truth is about Jesus so that they might hear the gospel, hear the story of Jesus' life. Gospel literally means good news. That they would hear the good news of Jesus' life and that they would believe. And you know what? All those years later, that's my hope this week as well. That for those of you who came up here and you don't know Jesus, that, that as we pour through this gospel with the theme of believe, that you might at some point put your faith in Jesus for the first time. With that said, let's dive into chapter 1, verse 1. It says, John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. So we know the word is a him. The word is, is a person. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. So he says, in the beginning, in the time before anything was created, there was no, there was no earth, there was no, there was no heavens, there was no stars, there was no clouds, there was no animals before everything was created was the word. God has always existed. And he hasn't just existed the Father. It's, it's a, a three-part God, the triune God. We call it the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and from the very beginning, in the beginning was the word. This, John chose this word very carefully. He wanted to expose Jesus for who he really was. And so he uses the term words. Words are the expression. Words are the expression of the person speaking. Think about this. Have you ever said something dumb? No? None of you? Just me? I'm the only one? Okay. I mean, we're going to be honest with each other this week, right? Okay. So when you say something dumb, it starts up here first. The words that you say are the expression of the person who says them. So let me tell you a story. I said we're going to be honest, so I'm going to tell you probably one of the worst things I've ever said in my life. You ready? Okay, nobody's ready. All right, all right. Have you ever, how many of you have been to SeaWorld? Okay, good. So you know Shamu? Okay, that's important to the story. So uh, it was uh, 12 years ago, maybe 13 years ago now, and my wife was pregnant with our first child. And she's like, honey, let's do a baby moon. A baby moon's like where you, but right before you have a kid, you go off on vacation. So we're like, okay, let's do it. We went to San Diego. I was living in Southern California at the time, and we went to San Diego. And one, like we enjoyed the whole day, everything was great, and as we're getting ready to, to go eat dinner, I recognized that we're walking by Shamu's tank. And my wife was wearing black and white. And I was a young husband. And I looked at her and I said, Shamu, get back in your tank. That was terrible. That was so bad. How many of you think that was a good thing to say? No. Put your hands down. You have plenty of years before you're actually a husband. Don't say that. 
Learn from my mistakes. All of your teachers are going, oh, man, I, I don't know if I would have ridden home in the same car as you if you said that to me. My pregnant wife, she's, she's about to give birth to our first, first child, and I'm comparing her to Shamu, and I did not live it down. We still talk about it to this day. But here's what I want you to know. Those words were the expression of me. Those words didn't happen. I can't not take responsibility for them. Those words started up here. And Jesus is the expression of God. That's important. That's why John chooses to use the word word. He says, in the beginning was the expression of God. In, begin in the beginning was the one who was going to come. In the beginning, Jesus was with, with God, was God, and was the agent of creation. Genesis says it this way. Genesis 1, verses 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. And so I want you to picture that. Like, like there is nothing. There is, it's just the earth. There's no people, there's no land, there's, no, there's nothing. And the, the Spirit's hovering over the surface of the waters, and the Father's there, and Jesus is there, and they're creating. It's this beautiful picture of, of God acting in his three-in-oneness, in unity, to, to bring about his, his eternal creation, his beloved creation. These are the words that the Apostle Paul uses for Jesus in Colossians 1, verses 16 and 17, it says, For by him, Jesus, for by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He says, in the beginning, Jesus was there, and he created everything. Everything was created by his hands. Everything visible and invisible, thrones or dominions, everything. All things have been created through him and for him. So we're not just created through him, we're also created for him. That's a, that's a very special thing. You were created for God. There's innate value in that. You, you have value just because you're human. Just because you were born, God loves you. And then in verse 17, he says, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus continues his active work here. He holds all things thing together. He continues to create. See, back in Genesis, God does something incredible. He, he creates something out of nothing. It's never happened before. Other than this one time, never before have we seen creation from something, creation of something out of nothing. Day one, God creates light. And he says, that's good. Day two, he creates the atmosphere. And he takes a, a step back and he looks at the light and he looks at the atmosphere and he goes, that's good. Day three, 
He creates dry ground, and he goes, you know what? You know what that dry ground needs? It needs some plants. So he creates plants, and he, he takes a step back, and he, he looks at the light, and he looks at the, the atmosphere, and he looks at, at the, the ground and, he, and the plants, and he says, that's good. Day four, he, he creates the sun, the moon, and the stars. Takes a step back, and he says, that's good. Day five, birds and sea creatures come on the scene. Again, he, he says, that's good. And then day six, he starts off by creating the land animals. And he goes, all right, now it's time for the crowning achievement of my creation. And he goes in and he creates man and woman, male and female, boy and girl. He, he, creates, he creates truth. He creates, he creates one man and one female. And he takes a step back and he looks at his creation. He's so overwhelmed with what he did that he looks and he goes, that's very good. God created. He set things in motion. He decided how things would be. And because he did all of that, truth is defined by him and him alone. This means that, that the source of truth and his word is the re revelation of his truth, that, that he is the source of truth, and his word and his son and his creation are the sources of truth. I once heard a, a pastor say this. He said, when you create a universe, you can decide how it works best. What that means is that God, God created everything and so he, as the creator, has the, the sole position, the only ability to define what is true and what is not. And he reveals himself through his creation, through his word, and then through his son. From the beginning, John says, from the beginning, Jesus was the plan. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit existing. This is what John says about the Son of God, or the Word, as he describes him. Verse 14, look at chapter 1, verse 14. It says, And the Word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father. Full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. See, Jesus, it says he He's the glory as of the only begotten from the Father. Jesus is the, the incarnation, the incarnate glory of the Father. Jesus is God in the flesh. He comes down from heaven and he, he shines all of God's glory on his creation. He's the exact representation of the Father. If you want to know what God looks like, you just need to look in, in your Bible and find out who Jesus is. He's the glory of the Father. He says also, 
that, that Jesus is full of, in the Greek, it, the, the term full of, it, it actually means uh, complete. So not, not only is he full of, he's completely grace and truth. He's completely grace and truth. If you want to know what grace looks like, look at Jesus. If you want to know what truth looks like, look at Jesus because he is completely grace and he is completely truth. And we're going to see that as the gospel of John plays out. And then in verse 17, this guy, John the Baptist, we're going to talk more about him tomorrow. But this guy, John the Baptist, he, he, he testifies about Jesus and he says, he, he, he says, um, he is of higher rank than I, and get this, for he existed before me. Here's the problem with that. John was born first. So what is he talking about? He existed before me. Well, he looks at Jesus, and he, he knows his Bible. He knows that, that Jesus was the agent of creation, that he's part of the Trinity, that before anything existed, God was. That God was not created, but that God is the creator. And that's hard for us to, to wrap our minds around, right? Everything we experience is created, except for God. This is what Jesus says. We, we, we read it already, but I'm going to read it again. John 14, 6, this is how Jesus describes himself. When somebody describes themselves, we should listen. And so in John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the truth. As the creator, he gets to define truth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And because God, the, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the, the Holy Spirit created everything that we see and experience, they have this unique ability to define what is true. This means that the only reliable source of truth is found in what has been revealed by God. You guys have to get that. You're going to live in a world for the rest of your lives that wants to point you to other places where you could find your own truth. Other places where you can search Google and find out what's true. You can, you can go on Instagram and other people tell you what your value is or what your worth is. You're going to see reels and, and things like that that are going to point you to other things that, that God says are not true. And you're going to have to answer the question, what is true and what is not? We're going to spend the rest of our week asking the same question that Pontius Pilate asked. What is truth? Will you pray with me? Father, I'm so grateful for this time. I'm grateful for each student here. Lord, you have chosen for them, purposely for them to be here. Lord, you want to do work in their lives. You want to speak into who they are and what they, they understand is truth. So, Lord, I pray that they would do the heavy lifting, the work of asking the question, what is true? And as you reveal yourself to them, that they would hold on to that for the rest of their lives, that you are the one true God. 
from the beginning who created the heavens and the earth and who decides how his creation works best. Lord, continue to speak through us or through me this week to these students. Continue to speak to them. I pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.